This is a Colored Pencil Podcast, session number 127. Welcome to Sharpened Artist, a colored pencil podcast where we discuss in detail all things in and around colored pencils and the colored pencil artist. And now your hosts, Lisa Clow and John Middick. My name is John Middick, and I'm joined once again by my co-host, Lisa Clow of Lockery Fine Art. Lisa, how are you today? I am great. You guys just missed out on a really funny conversation about the fact that <laughs> leggings are not pants. <laughs> That's all we're going to say about that. I know. We're, <laughs> we're, we're both still laughing. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. I am doing just so, so well. Feeling great, you know, because I'm loving this. I love to be here, Lisa. I love talking to fellow artists. I love talking to artists who are interested in art and can't get enough of it because we love talking about art on this podcast. So, Lisa, what are we talking about today? Today we are talking about when to be creative versus when to be derisive or where you're mostly kind of feeling like a copyist and when to be consistent. So you you hear often or this, you know, something that you do hear often from other artists is, oh, I, I'm feeling so creative today. I think that I'll go and do this piece that I put off for eight months or something like that. And then, you know, they show you the piece after they're done or something and maybe it's hard to tell what the the subject matter is or something like that so you know that's an extreme we're, we're talking about some wide extreme there and and the pendulum goes in the other direction and we're talking about being very just derivative and a copyist and just tracing every little thing and get grabbing someone else's photo and not having any originality at all and trying to do an exact color match on exactly what you're copying and having no creativity whatsoever in the process. There's still extremes, right, Lisa? I mean, Very that's that's so. the way yeah. I see that. And so, yeah, we just want to kind of have a discussion about that. I, I think you can be somewhere a little bit, you know, toward the middle there. And Ideally, yeah. Yeah, because there's some times that, you know, that uh, you're you're wanting to be very creative, obviously. But then there's some times where it, it matters a lot just to be very controlled and consistent and regimented in how you approach something, I think. Yeah, and I think with with colored pencil, it's a little different than many other mediums. I know for me, I can be kind of a little bit more creative. And when I say creative, I'm almost talking about the design pro- design of the piece throughout as I work. If I'm, let's say I'm, I'm working in uh, with an acrylic painting. The way that I layer, if I'm doing an underwater scene, the way that I layer, I get my background water and then I decide later on, okay, which coral do I want to put here? I'll add one and then I just kind of work out. So I'm that creative process of Mm -hmm. the design is happening while I'm painting. I'll paint one thing, get it in all perfect. Then I add the next group of fishes or whatever it is that I'm going to paint in there. Fishes? That's not supposed to be plural. Hey, I like fishes. (laughs) um, (laughs) Gooses. This gives you... You know, when when I'm painting with acrylics, I have a little bit more freedom because I can layer on top of layer. I can paint something white and then repaint an 
something on top of that. Oh, With colored yeah. pencil, it's very sense. different. Colored pencil, I'm going to draw everything out because I can't change things as easily. Now, to an extent, I can if using powder blender um, and working on sanded paper. So that's a little bit different. But when normally when working with colored pencil, I'm not going to layer the same. I'm going to pre-draw things out. So if I'm going to paint a, tur- a sea turtle, I want to draw that sea turtle in so I don't fill the water in where the turtle is going to go just because of the difference in the opacity of of the medium that you're working in and how that's layered. So most, when I'm working in colored pencil, the creative process, the design process for me happens before I ever touch the paper. That happens where I'm drawing it, sketching it out on another sketch pad or working in Photoshop to figure out where I'm going to position stuff. So, you know, you can have a different time. It's, It's just a different way to work with colored pencil, I think, than any, than most mediums. So that creative process happens happens a little bit different with us. Yeah, yeah. To a certain extent, I mean, and, and you alluded to this fact that if you're using, you know, a sanded paper and a powder blender, there's some other exceptions, I guess, and there's some wiggle room here and there. But yeah, for the most part, yeah, you've got to you've got to kind of plan this out and be prepared from the very beginning or else you may kind of have a big issue if you decide in the middle of it, "Hey, I'm going to change my composition now. I'm going instead of putting this berry over here, I'm going to put it over here in this um this dark area and that i for the background that i turn dark dark green and yeah. now i want to erase that you know might have a problem whenever you go to do something like that but yeah i i typically want to try to i try to start you know in a direction where i if i'm not going with something where i've you know co- i'm copying my photo reference exactly where i'm going to be a little looser and it's something you know that it's not a commission it's not something i care a whole lot about if it's a smaller project a study or something then i can be a little bit looser with that and i still just want to do kind of a, like an outline or something and a good example of this i guess would be uh, a leaf that i just drew not too long ago for a, a demonstration that i did at plaza art i just had a leaf that i found on my driveway and i took it there and i just looked at that while I was drawing it and it wasn't anything complicated it didn't have a background or anything like that so I didn't put do an outline or any, I just kind of drew as I as I was outlining I was drawing as well I was coloring in everything so I knew that I really couldn't really mess that up too much so that doesn't really matter too much but if you're doing a bigger project and especially a commission or something yeah you just don't have that opportunity too much in colored pencil but you know this kind of leads us i think into another discussion and that is of something i think we've talked about in the past but talking about a derivative work of you know like a photographer or something like that and uh, copying a photo exactly i i've heard artists in the past talk about you know that i copied this exactly like the photo was that's impossible they, they can't do that. They may think they did that, but I, I, I submit to you that that's impossible to do because you're an artist and you put something in there unless you just took, I don't know, a year or something. That's all you worked on every day. And you just, you know, I don't know how you would do that. I, I would love to see that done. <laughs> I've not seen anyone able to pull that off to where that looks exactly like the photo. There are some people I know that have said that and they think that, I guess, but yeah, most often you're, you know, you're putting your own interpretation on on what you're looking at. So it just happens naturally, I think, to us. And I think a really good example of that was a piece I recently did on with ink tents. I drew these pumpkins. I had taken a reference photo 
And it was a mediocre photo. It wasn't the most amazing photo in the world, but I could see my lighting. I could see my shadow. I could see the shapes of the pumpkins. I could see what I needed to create what I wanted from that. And I was able to take that photo. And so there's my creative process was setting up my design. I was creative from the, the... the taking of the still life there. And then I went a bit further and added a butterfly. So I was very creative in the beginning of it. But once I hit that paper, that's where technique really started to come in. And I adjusted so much from that reference photo as far as the detailing. And it's funny because I heard from a lot of people that it was my most realistic or it looked so realistic to them. And it was probably one of my looser paintings. It wasn't really tight, but it was the shadows. Yeah, it's the shadows and the lighting and all. It is so good. I mean, it's a really, really good one if you haven't seen that. Maybe we can put that in the show notes or something, but or look it up on Facebook there on her, on Lisa's page. It's it's fantastic. I, I love it. But yeah, and I saw your your reference, and and it's it's good. I mean, I, I like it. But like you said, it's not extremely detailed, and the painting turned out so much better. But you know, I mean, that's there's a thing. There's a difference right there. I mean, that is your creative process. You took the photo and then you're copying, you know, what, what you did there loosely. And then you're doing your interpretation on what your vision was whenever you set up that still life. All right. So this, this is something though, that, you know, we hear from time to time is, okay, is this, you know, my original work, this piece that I've copied from a photo that someone else took now, to me, yes, it is, because like I said, you're not going to be able to copy a photo exactly anyway, and then you can be creative in that in that process. You know, Lisa, I don't know if I told you this recently, but I'm getting to the point where I'm not dragging out my DSLR or, or my 4K Lumix camera or anything like that. I'm just taking my cell phone with me most of the time now because it's so much more portable and it takes phenomenal pictures. And I'm getting to that point where it's it's getting close to what I can get without you know spending a lot of time on it with a DSLR. I mean, it's it, some of these photos that I've been able to take with with my latest uh, cell phone are that good. They're just really really good, and they're good enough for me to use uh, to create art from. So I'm getting to that point where it's you know it's not something that I'm all that worried about. And so I, I guess my point is that, you know, you don't you don't really have too much of an excuse if you're someone that's saying, OK, well, I can't get out and take my own photos. You know, I can't really do that. I have to use someone else's photos. I, I, I think that you're getting to that point, though. If you have a, a smartphone, you've got a decent camera on it. Most of them, most of the, the ones that have been released within the last year or two. That's a very good, a very good camera on that phone now. And you can. You know, you can go to the park, especially right now with the leaves changing. You can go take you some really nice fall pictures that you can you can uh, draw from. So the point is, though, I mean, even when working with reference photos, you're still being creative. You're still, yeah, you whether are. you're taking you your are. own photos, you're being creative in the setup and the design process. If you're using someone else's photo, you're probably going to change things. Um, with me, I use, I love wildliferefereencephotos.com. I have some reference photos from Jason Morgan. I've got a lot of reference photos that I've purchased from other people. I with the exception of one time, I did a flamingo where I copied pretty exact to the the reference photo. And when I say exact, I don't mean exact, what you thought exact. Was not not yeah, ja- yeah. John's definition of exact. I mean, <laughs> right. But I I followed along pretty closely on that. Yeah, yeah. But I, I guess my point though is that you know you're 
you just like you're saying, I mean, you get to this point though in your in your art expression when you're creating art, if we want to call it that, that you don't need something that is just so highly detailed, you know, as you did in the beginning when you first started out creating art. You know, you you needed to see so many things in the beginning. I would I, I would venture to say because you're a little less confident and you you want to try to copy as much information as you can. I think you get to that point though, where at least this is what I'm noticing for myself is I I don't need the photo to be extremely detailed because I can fill in the gaps. I, I can figure out, you know, I, th- I think about how light works anyway. And I think about, you know, the, the values and how shadows are, you know, there's shadows within shadows and that kind of thing. I, I can think through those things. And that's, you know, that's part of your creative process right there. Yeah, I mean, when I first started, and this is something that I think that I hear this a lot, and I usually hear it from artists who they themselves are beginners. I rarely hear somebody who's more advanced make comments like this. But you'll hear beginners say they don't want to copy things exactly. It's not creative, blah, blah, blah. You know, if you want to get to the point where you are making very, very realistic work, you know how you learn to do that? You copy things as exact as possible. So you go for close. There's so many times, I mean, if I'm painting a new subject, something I have never painted before, I'm probably going to get the best reference photo for that subject that I possibly Exactly. Can. I mean, exactly. at this point, let's say tigers. I Tigers or flamingos are two things I have painted so many times. I can be a little bit more free now. I can take photos that are, you know, you work from photos that are not that amazing because I've drawn the fur very accurately so many times that if I've got a reference photo where the fur doesn't have enough detail, it doesn't matter. I know how that fur should lay. I know how it should look as long as I've got my general outline and such. But I wouldn't have reached this point had I not copied really good, good reference photos for so many years. So let's say my first few batches were just copying exactly. It wasn't cop, and again, not John's, definition of exact but um you know where i was trying to copy it fairly exact yeah right right it, it doesn't matter that i wasn't creating something that never existed you know that was a totally new design totally different if i wouldn't have done that i can't do what i can do today that's how i led to this point so you know just as kind of a motivational thing for you guys out there do not let somebody tell you that copying a reference photo exactly is a bad non good thing for an artist to do it's one of the best ways that you're going to learn to do things accurately so that when you do get to a point where like these pumpkins they're not the most amazing photos in the world that i work from it doesn't matter i i could see my lighting i could see what i needed there or tigers or flamingos i get a photo that i'm like uh i like some things about this photo especially photos i've taken myself i'll get somewhere i'm like oh it's just a little blurry i can't see the detail you know what i have drawn so many flamingos at this point I don't need a perfectly crisp, clear photo anymore. I would never have gotten to that point. So I can, I feel like I can be a little bit more creative after having copied things more exact for so many years. You know, it's funny you, you mentioned that, you know, don't let people uh, say that, you know, you cannot copy something exact uh, from a photo. <laughs> I, at that uh, event I was just at, actually was talking to somebody and he said, uh, do you work from photos? And I said, yeah, most of the, most of the time, you know, and uh, especially, uh, you know, as a portrait artist I, I can't expect somebody to sit still for three you know three weeks or a month that'd be 
that'd be kind of funny. But and, and he said, "Oh well, I'm taking a life drawing course uh, downtown at the Manifest Art Gallery in Cincinnati. You know, very very nice gallery. But by the way, but anyway, he said, and the instructor is saying, don't that's not art. Don't be drawing from reference photos. That, that you're not you're not learning anything. People that draw from reference photos don't know how to draw. And and I said, oh, is that what he said? <laughs> Like, yeah. And I said, yeah, that's funny. I said, that's unrealistic. Yes. Uh, that's not even that's not even practical at all. Not even, uh, you know, that's so far away from being practical. You'll never learn how to draw if you think that you have to do everything from life. I mean, that that'd be great. That'd be awesome if we all had the luxury of time. And of, you know, being able to make the sun stand still and things like that. But we live in a a modern time where we have these amazing things called cameras and we're able to freeze something in time and then take our time and hone our skill. You know, the thing with that, the reason that people say that it uses a different There is a different skill set to draw something from life than to draw it from reference photos. Oh, yeah. But I can turn around and say the same thing back to that artist. Well, then your art isn't real art because you can't draw from a reference photo. I mean, that can go either way. That's the stupidest thing to say to somebody. Anytime you hear somebody tell you that's not real art, right there, that person is, they don't know what they're talking about. They don't. I mean, if you want to take classes from them, yeah. If you want to take classes from them, great. Learn what you can from them. But yeah. kind of disregard any time when they start giving you exactly those absolutes. Those are the times where it's like, uh, you are a closed-minded, very silly person. So, yeah, though I don't take people seriously who, who say things like that. Anytime somebody says any Stephen, type of art isn't real art. out that very silly person there. Huh? Just kidding. <laughs> I said Stephen, I go was ahead very and careful that not very to silly swear. person <laughs> You know, it's it's crazy. I mean, it is crazy because it it is an elitist type of of attitude, you know, and having that kind of that kind of mindset, like you said, on either side, though, saying, you know, you, you know, can only draw from life or you can only draw from photos. I, I don't know that I've ever met anybody that says you can only draw from photos, but there's a lot to be learned by drawing from from real life a lot. And it's a good thing to do. But yeah, I, I just think this exclusivity about that is just so silly. There's a video that goes around doing the fear mongering stuff because they're very popular on YouTube uh, that claims uh, there's two that have been massive headaches for me. One is a woman who claims you can't mix water with your acrylics and does this whole fear mongering thing about it. It's like she's giving some truths, but so much false information followed by it that it just like I'm constantly having to explain (laughs) to people why you can use water. But the other one is there's a guy who talks about how you can you should only paint from life and that that same general idea and he goes mm-hmm. on to say that if you start drawing from a photograph you will lose the ability to ever be able to draw from life again you can permanently what? lose it yeah oh, and this is a crazy wow. popular video that's shared left and right and it's like you're kidding me no i wow. mean and it's the, the funny thing is the video is well done but the yeah. guy's a very silly person that's craziness. Wow. Yeah. I, yeah. And it, I, it's never, an idea never seen that. Spread. So I That's think that funny. videos like that are why you get so many new or younger artists that watch these things because they're yeah. they're just thirsty for information and they'll watch these things right. and soak that up and, and think, okay, this is how it, it is. No, that is not and how it is. Same, and I right. have heard, I don't know how many times you hear this, but I hear all the time from people, it, mostly it's, it'll be comments on YouTube. Well, if you draw from a, a reference photo, don't you feel like you're limited? You're limiting what you can do. No, I feel the exact opposite. I feel like I can do so much more working from reference photos. 
because I can get photos of things that I may either not have access to. I don't have access to red. Yeah, you don't have tigers. Yeah, if I want to see tigers roaming around in your apartment there, do you? I mean, even if I want to just go and sketch at the zoo, I can do that, but I'm still limited on the the type of animals. If I want to draw certain things, I'm going to get reference photos. And beyond that, you're talking to someone who's a surreal artist, too. I make stuff up all the time. I combine things that shouldn't go together, light bulbs, fish, birds, butterflies, they're all thrown together in one thing. And I don't feel less creative in any way. It's like, do you guys not realize who you're talking to? I paint surrealism. Um... That in addition to my other stuff, but it's always been kind of funny to me. Like I'm, I've never ever felt like I was held back because I wasn't working right. from life. Well, it's the same kind of attitude though that some have with regard to tracing. I mean, it's the same kind of elitist kind of attitude where you know they'll say, "Oh, tracing is terrible." If if you actually want to learn, then don't ever trace again. You know that, mm-hmm. and I beg the differ because. One of the things about tracing is if you can, if you're trying to learn a subject, one of the best things you can do is get tracing paper out and trace over a photo. Because then what it does is it translates this image into that muscle memory area of your mind. Because it doesn't matter what, what you're doing, if whatever subject it is, if it's new to you, then there is something happening in the brain that it's creating some new connections in those synapses. Because what happens is you're drawing from memory anyway. You're always drawing from memory. Even when we say, oh, never draw from memory. Even when you have a photo reference there, and I'm being kind of tongue-in-cheek here, but you're looking over at the photo reference. Then you're looking back at your yeah. paper. When you're place, placing your you know, your uh, instrument on the paper, then you're drawing from the memory that was two seconds ago. You know That kind of thing. So putting it directly on the reference and tracing over those areas that are brand new to you, you learn a lot by doing that. Well, it forces your brain to see things as it really they really are. So yes. often we Instead look at an eye we and think. we think, well, I know what an eye looks like. And our brain tries to convince us, we've got this. Totally right. know what we're doing here. Don't need that reference right. photo. Let me draw an eye. And it's not correct. If you will trace things, you'll you'll start to notice things that you never noticed before. And you, it can be for anything. It doesn't even have to be just portraits. Let's say it's a type of tree. Or you're trying mm-hmm. to draw waves, a, an ocean wave, and you don't really understand how that sea foam lays. Yours isn't coming out natural. Try tracing it a few times. See right. how, get the movement. It'll show you more accurately instead of your brain trying to take over and going, we got this. I know what it looks like. Don't worry about that reference photo. So, yeah. you know, there, there's definitely something you can learn a lot. And the people who say, who talk so badly about tracing, the problem is they've never taught people how to trace. They've not seen what tracing can and can't do. I've been teaching this method for, you know, since 1999. It's I've been doing this a while. I can tell you firsthand, people learn from doing this. Yeah, well, I, I know even with the workshops and classes that I've done that, yeah, that's very, very true. But I know personally, I mean, with evidence, you know, that I see in myself and my progression as an artist, that tracing has actually helped me quite a bit. And I, I wouldn't be where I am today if, if I hadn't uh, started tracing faces and eyes and that kind of thing and trying to, you know, incorporate some of these other methods for head construction, the Loomis method, and and use, you know, the the sorrow head and the shapes of the and planes of the face and that kind of thing. It helps so much. But, you know, Lisa, let's move on here and talk about just for a second then. So, you know. We talked a little bit about, you know, being creative and then being consistent or, you know, being a copyist when we need to be and taking the creativity out of some of those areas. But 
if we want to just adjust the conversation, just a, a pivot, just pivot just a little tiny bit here and talk about when is it good to be consistent and to be, you know, more boring, I guess, if, if you want to use that term, just be more regimented in how you approach something. A couple of things with regard to that is with your studio time, you know, if, if you're going to do something well and you want to improve over time, then I think having a very consistent and being disciplined about getting to, you know, your studio or your desk or wherever it is you create your art and being consistent about that. Even if you have limited time, there there should, I, I feel like if you really want to grow, then there should be at least some consistency there that you should say to yourself, okay, I'm going to dedicate this amount of time, you know, and I'm going to create art you know, whatever it is, between eight and nine or whatever, whatever that time is that you have. And then just try to be as consistent as possible with those kind of things. One of the things you'll often hear people say, too, is, well, I'm not in the mood to draw. And they'll go months without drawing. Oh, I wasn't in the mood. I wasn't feeling creative. You know what? You don't have to be. The creative process for me happens the initial design. If I don't even feel creative at all, my brain is just like, nope, we are not coming up with something new. I'm going to go to Pixabay or, you know, wildlife reference photos or somewhere where I can get another photo or one of my batches, a photo that I've taken in the past. Pick one and draw it. Then it's not even so much creativity at that point. You're you're focusing on the technical skill. You know what? You don't have to feel creative to focus on the technical skill. And that technical skill is a huge, huge part of this. And I don't know why. There's this funny thing that a lot of artists have where they kind of want to fight against the fact that it's not all rainbows and butterflies and fairy dust and creativity. It largely is technical skill. So much so that you don't have to be in the mood for the, the creativity. Your your muse does not have to be there. Pick a photo right. and draw it. Focus on the right. technical side of it. Yeah, what is that uh, that that famous quote? Uh, and it's been attributed to a lot of different people. But inspiration is for amateurs. Uh, professionals do the work, or you know, they show up and do the work. That kind of thing. And it's so true. You know, it's just like that. You know. <laughs> When you decide, I mean, if you and if this is just a hobby, yeah, I understand that. But if if you're very consistent about growing a business, though, then yeah, you've got to just say, okay, I'm going to be consistent at this, and I'm not not going to wait for the muse, like you said. That that one's so common, though. But it is, you and just I have hate to that tell yourself because I it holds it people back. I mean, it people does. get it so much work done because they think they need to be in the mood to be creative. No, yeah. more often than not, when I have hit that easel, I don't start out in the mood. I end up in the mood once I get painting yeah. a little bit. But when I first sit down, yeah, you can like, do the tricks to yourself. I'd rather go play World of Warcraft, or I'd rather go read a book, or I'd rather go well, take a nap or whatever. Book. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, I mean, you, you don't have to have this overwhelming flow of emotion and, oh, it's so magical. I'm going to sit down and be creative. Focus on the technical side, because honestly, I would say 95% of my actual creation process, the majority is, of it is the technical skill. The, the That first 5 10% is done when I start with colored pencil, that's already done and out of the way when I came up with the design. And then, like I said, sometimes I just take a photo. I remember uh, years ago, I did a 16 by 20. It was one of my biggest pieces I had done in colored pencil. It was all blended with odorless mineral spirits, so it took forever. And that one was of a tiger, and he's kind of, he's sitting on a rock. It's his whole, a whole body of a tiger. And then there's this forest and the waterfall behind him. That piece took me so long 
And I really had spent a lot of time coming up with the design. The creative process was a large portion of that one. Mm -hmm. When I finished that one, I was so proud of myself. It was like, this is my best piece ever. I was so excited. Okay, I need to do my next best piece. I've got to be creative. And and my brain just drew a blank. I was not coming up with a single thing that was creative after that. And it was funny because I felt like I had to top the last one. I had to be just as creative, something just as you know, not like what everyone else was doing. Uh, I couldn't just go get a photo and copy that photo. And I finally realized, well, with me, because I'm on a schedule, I had to get over that and say, just pick a photo and draw something. Just pick something and do it. And the funny thing is, that thing that I picked, I forget what it was, but I it it led me to the next thing, which led me, gave me ideas for the next thing. And maybe Mm -hmm. three, four, five paintings later, I had this new great idea that I wouldn't have had had I not just picked something and drawn it. Just pick something don't don't be right, so focused right, right. on I have to be super creative and come up with the best idea, the best plan, the best layout. You know what? I sometimes it just doesn't come to you. And in the meantime, that doesn't mean you shouldn't be drawing. Pick something and copy it if you need to. Just pick something. Right. Yeah, yeah. And being consistent, being regimented and saying, I'm just going to going to do it. Yeah, just pick something and do it. And, and I wanna I wanna say a word to you. If you're someone who feels like, oh, you hardly ever have a creative thought. And it's very difficult because of that thing. Look, 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 here's the thing. If you just get started and I got to tell you, there's not a whole lot of creativity with portrait art, you know, often in in the stuff that I do. If you're just if you're just drawing drawing a portrait and you're drawing a face and not an elaborate background or anything, the, the thing is you can create awesome, realistic art that is worthy of attention and someone will take the time to look at it for a long time. If you draw things that sometimes are just blasé, some, th- some things that are very vanilla, you can make it look phenomenal just by dedicating the time and thinking about how shadows are working and how the light is working and that kind of thing. You can really do that. So, yeah, just be consistent. So, wrapping up here then, other things we should be consistent in is just, you know, working on our art, like we mentioned, social media posts, perhaps, the, something like that, following up with leads. Maybe you have some project you're working on. Maybe you want to enter in a gallery, you know, get into a gallery or something like that it show your work in some way you know maybe it's a show or something but you have to be consistent with just following up on those leads being consistent with updates that you're uh, providing to your commission clients you know all of those things are very much in line with your art business and should be high on the priority list whether you're feeling it or not you just tell yourself i've got to do these things and that's where having that schedule that john was talking about earlier from this hour to this hour i'm going to do this from this time to this time i'm going to do that that's a good thing to do because i know for me like right now i've not been on a schedule you guys know we, we talked before for all my health issues going on right now. But I'm not on a real good schedule and I have been horrible because of it. I am so behind on email, on things I need to respond to people, things I need to get done because I'm not on that schedule. I don't have time set apart. I'm just kind of doing things when I feel up to it. And even though I could be getting more done than what I am because I'm not on that schedule, I haven't set that time apart, things that I technically could be getting done aren't getting done right now. I can't say enough about the importance of having a schedule and I'm actually really looking forward to getting back to one myself so I can be more productive but if you don't have that time set apart I know I'm going to do social media at this time I know I'm going to do check down the emails at this time chances are it gets pushed back and doesn't get done the same thing with your art if you can schedule that it will make such a difference in in getting things done oh absolutely and the other thing about that is is that not to make too fine a point on this but 
for me when when I schedule things, yeah, that that works really well. But I also have to I have to write it down. I have to get very very organized. I also have to build out a lot of other things that are like dominoes that I know if I get this portion done, you know, this one goal done, this is like a, a stretch goal, but then I have a push goal. I have a push. If I get this thing done, then I know it, I, it can lead to this next thing. I have to have those kind of things set up. And that just takes a lot of structure and a lot of being extremely organized behind the scenes. And if I don't do that, then everything unravels and I, I don't get anything done in life and I forget you know, appointments and all kinds of things. I, I really, I, honestly, I do not, I cannot contain things in my brain for whatever reason. I don't know why, but I have to get everything outside of me. I don't know if you do this, but I always think, oh, I'm going to remember that, no problem. And oh, I yeah, never I do, ever. Yeah, I'm getting to that point, though, at 46 years old that I've realized, no, the gray matter is not going to remember that. I've got to rely on my Google Calendar. And, you know, thankfully, I, I've learned to just rely on my phone. Hey, okay, Google, make a, an appointment for me right now, you know. Oh, it's trying to wake up right now. <laughs> but, I mean, I have to do that because I've learned that about myself. That I'm not I'm not going to remember that stuff. And I've got to get this this done. And I got, I got a lot of goals. I got a lot of things I want to accomplish in my art business and in my uh, personal development with my art and with my, my daytime career and a lot of things, you know. And so I would not be able to get half of this stuff done if I wasn't extremely organized on the back end. I know a lot of times it just looks like, Oh, you know, somebody just came out with this or they're doing this over here or they're, you know, wow, they just created this thing, this masterpiece, or they just offered this course or whatever. I don't know about other people, I guess, but when I offer a course, but just like the portrait prep drawing course that I've just released, I mean, that took me, I've been working on that for a year and it took me a long time to get to that point where I can offer you know, the portrait prep drawing course for free. And that that felt really good to be able to, you know, put that out there. But it wasn't just, you know, haphazard. And I did, I took so much time planning and preparing for that. Okay, so maybe you have something that you would love to share with us and we'd love to hear about that. You can always reach out to us on Twitter for a quick conversation. Lisa's at Lockery. I'm at Sharpened Artist. You can email us, podcast at sharpenedartist.com. Interact with us on Facebook in the Color Pencil Podcast group. And if you like the show, we would appreciate leaving a rating if you have a extra minute or two maybe a review over on apple podcasts and we will talk to you next week bye thanks for listening to this week's episode all the show notes can be found at www.sharpenedartist.com.